TalkZone.com Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us midweek Wednesday here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. When we left you, we had two big Chicago NBA slash NHL playoff events coming at you. When we return this morning at 10 o'clock, well, we can talk about one up and one down. Bulls win, Hawks lose. We'll talk that and more. Sneak in a little baseball as well and enjoy the melodic tunes of the TalkZone.com. Is coach of the big dog at your service. The phone number, mark it down, commit it to memory, put it in your little uh, textile memorization system, whatever it is. You got to have the 888 463 6748 phone number at your fingertip anytime. You're walking around, you're at work, you're fooling around, whatever you might be doing between 10 and 11. Monday through Friday, five days a week, one hour a day, five in total, whatever you might be doing. You never know what a sports quandary, a sports ponderism. A sports question, maybe a trivia thought might come into your mind. you got to have the coach and the big dog, or you should know the coach and the big dog will be at your service. All you got to do is dial it up, 888-463-6748, the phone number. And, uh, boy, we talked about as we wait for the big dog to hop on. He, he, he might have been. Where was he out and about last night? He said he was going to go to 10 Lizzie's. We might not get the big dog tonight. He might be uh either celebrating the bull victory or... In a bit of uh, drunken solemnity, could we put those two words together and talk about where the big dog might be after a Blackhawk sudden death overtime loss that we talked about yesterday? Very few things better, and it's a very true statement. I don't think you can overrate it. Game 7 in the world of sports. It's awfully good in the game. Uh, Blackhawks in Vancouver lived up to expectations yesterday, but even better. Even better than than Game 7 is when you get sudden death Overtime, any sudden death overtime in the Stanley Cup playoffs is awesome. Sudden death overtime in regulation is pretty good. But you get sudden death, game seven, Stanley Cup playoffs, and I told my kid this, told my wife this, told my neighbor, tried to tell my dog. Actually, I didn't because I don't have a dog, but I was trying to tell anybody that would listen to me that uh, that's as good as it gets. And, And hockey is certainly not my number one sport. You know, if I watched it more, it might move up the ranks. It's a great game, and I need to watch more of it. But even having put hockey in its primal place, maybe a fourth or fifth spot in my personal likings of games to watch, I will put it right up there, number one. I don't, I can't think of any, and any listeners out there want to, um, you know, maybe give me a, a like comparison, maybe something that's a little bit better. Uh, again, 888-463-6748. But you talk Game 7, sudden death. And I'm here to tell you, I, you compare it to any sport, from auto racing, Kentucky Derby, tennis to ping pong to basketball at the highest levels, baseball, I don't know, extra innings in baseball, Game 7 of a World Series, even that. 
Even that cannot match sudden death overtime game seven. What a ball game it was. What a puck game it was, whatever the heck you want to call it. Uh, and we will talk about that and, of course, the uh, Bulls victory as well. Right now, I want to welcome in my good partner earlier in the show before he joined us. I thought maybe he's going to be late today because he was celebrating a little bit of a celebratory mood over the Bulls win or what was the term I used? Drunken solemnity. I like those two combinations over a, wow. a dramatic. That's pretty good, isn't it? Drunken solemnity. But uh, here you are. On time as scheduled, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Big dog, great to talk to you, my friend. Where did you watch the game last night? Uh, coach, I ended up at Moe's Katina with, uh, with a lot of my old friends that, that, nice. uh, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. It, uh-huh. just, it was, it was a weird night. I was calling like a, a few of my friends and, uh, like, and I, uh, you know, ended up with, going out with people like that I haven't seen in years, going out with other people I've never went out before. So it was, it was a good night, but yeah. I gotta tell you something, a really bad night. Last night when I'm going home on the train on the Uh-oh. Metro, the train hit somebody. Oh boy. I didn't get home until really like, uh, four o'clock in the morning last night. Wow. It, was, it was really, you know, the, the, this, this jerk behind me is complaining, blah, blah, blah. Somebody wants to hit themselves. Why do we have to wait to get home? Like, dude, come on, there's a body. Did you know immediately on contact that uh, no, was a human no, being? No, no, not at all, Coach. We, we, they just said, bro, there was an accident. We're going to have to wait. Uh-huh. And then, like, after, like, an hour and a half of people getting, like, crazy mad, they were just like, there was a serious accident, and they had to clean a body up ahead of us. So, wow. If you don't mind. Do we? Yeah, well, I was like, yeah, chill out. Do we have a result? Was it a suicide situation? Did the person I die? No, I, or? I have no idea, Coach, to be okay. quite honest with you. I have no idea. So. Wow. Four o'clock in the morning. That, yeah, that's All when right. I got home. Myself. All right, so, so, you, so you, you're you're late not because of drunken solemnity, but because of a, uh, a transportational accidental situation. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Wow. I love the highest variety. Wow. I am sorry to... Uh, no, no word that Jim Trussell was walking through Westmont, Illinois last okay. night. Okay. You know, unless it was Indiana Pacer Danny Granger, then, then I'm going to feel bad that uh, somebody got seriously hurt, possibly even killed last night. That's a terrible, terrible thing, big dog, but... Um, you don't get hit by a train and get seriously injured, Coach. Well, you're, you're probably right about that. Uh-huh. You're probably right. Typically, there's only one result, and it's not a not a good one. Now, getting back to your uh, night last night, did, did I get the place correct? Moe's Cantina? Yes, Coach. And I am not kidding you. This place has been around forever. I have never been in there, and it was actually it was a pretty good time, I have to mm-hmm. admit. The place was packed. Well, I can imagine. A great sports night in the city of Chicago. I want to get to the moment that you got to paint a picture for me because it had to be one of the best sports bar moments in Chicago history. Oh, but my first, God. but first you had mentioned that you you saw a lot of old friends that you haven't seen for a while and at first oh hey that sounded cool. But then I'm thinking wait a minute. You're here to watch basketball in game 7. That you ideally that's not the night you want to be seeing people you haven't seen for a long time because you want to talk, you want to catch up, you don't want to be rude, but you want to watch the sport. Did your social conversation get in the way of your professional aspirations? Uh, Not at all, Coach. (laughs) And and as a matter of fact, there were so many televisions in there that no matter what angle you were standing in the place, you could watch both the Bulls and the Hawks at the same time. Did any of them have the angle on HBO's Cat House by any chance? You're stuck on this Cat House thing, Coach. (laughs) Were you at the one in River North or the one in Wrigleyville? River North. Yeah, that one's awesome. I've been there. I, I, I had, I mean, I've heard of the place. I had no idea. Wow, the place was first class. Mm-hmm. Amen. 
Yes. Moe's Cantina. I need to check that place out. Uh, now, you got you got to paint me the picture here because uh, you know the moment I'm talking about. The Hawks down oh, yeah. one nothing the entire game. Short-handed. Short-handed with two minutes left in the game. Oh, they oh find I'm a, I thought you. I, I thought you were talking about when we all exploded when Carlos Boozer actually defended somebody. <laughs> talking about the Hawks game. <laughs> Yes, I okay, am. Yes, I am. But, but paint a picture of the, the night in general and the fans and a great sports bar. I'm living vicariously through you. And then you got to tell me the moment when Taves scored the goal. Oh, well, you know, like when the Bulls game was ending, people were had turned their attention all Blackhawks. I mean, it was like a let's go Hawks chance started right when the Bulls hit, uh, stretched it to about 18. Yes. And, uh, and coach, people... It was funny. They got down one nothing, and people didn't freak out or anything. And it was like, wow. That normally, you know, when you have a bunch of drug, and by then it was like nine forty-five, and people were wasted. People are seemingly pretty into it. Well, by the middle of the third period, people were getting a little bit frustrated. Yep. Oh no! Oh. They lay an egg. Blah blah blah. And the, all of a sudden, that that slightly incidental early goal. All of a sudden, you're thinking, holy conniptions! This could this could be the game winner. Yeah, exactly. And then when the penalty gets called. My buddy Desmond Fairchild, the, the the biggest Blackhawk fan that I know, erupts. And uh, I, I'm not saying he gave up, but basically it, it came down to the fact that after the power play, there was going to be about 65 seconds for yep. the Hawks to tie to tie it up because mm-hmm. you don't expect them to get a shorty, do you? The next thing I know, like they kept, they kept on getting chances, and all of a sudden, when Jonathan Tames popped that one in there, the place erupted. Coach, <laughs> I was legitimately like. <laughs> I didn't, some girl I didn't even know was in my arms, like, for like a split second, and she's like screaming at the top of her lungs. And next thing you know, she's like, with three other guys, like, in a second after that. I am arm in arm with some guy, I have no idea who he was, because it, it just disappeared. But we started twirling. Do you know what I mean? Arm in arms going in a circle. And like, we were skipping. And next thing you know, he's gone. And then I'm back, like hugging Desmond, and we're jumping up and down. And was there what was there team. any groping involved? There was plenty. I I groped and got groped. Wow. Groping and groper. Wow. It's amazing what a Jonathan Tave short. That was. I hope it wasn't a shorty. It was a shorty coach. <laughs> Oh man, that, that I, I was thinking about that as I'm watching at home, screaming and hollering to nobody in particular because I'm watching the game by myself. I was just thinking the people watching in a good sports bar that had to be so cool. I'm not going to call it, you know top five Chicago sports great moments in sports bars, but uh, maybe top twenty. Coach, it, it was up there. I mean, that's because legitimately people had written it off. Yep, they were just like, all right, let's just hopefully. You know they didn't expect it during the during the shorthanded time. And by the way, you know that that goal. I mean that was absolutely a penalty when Dunkey Keith pulled the guy down. So there was people complaining about that. How do you call that in uh, Game Seven because mm-hmm. he put the guy in the ice? Yep. Yeah, you, you, well, you know me. I'm I'm the ultimate guy that you know don't make the call that can decide the game. I agree with you that that unfortunately needed to be called, and I kind of had the same reaction as your friend. Is like, oh boy. Three minutes left. We got to kill two minutes of penalty. This game is over. Now, now another electric moment. It, it wasn't as big as the, as the team's goal, but it, it kept the anticipation. And hey, maybe we're in it was the Crawford uh, penalty shot save. Yes, was also. I mean, we were pretty fired up in the place, yeah. but that yeah. happened. Crowd going wild. By the way, speaking of it, I know the Hawks lost the game, two to one season over. Another game six was just classic sports television. Uh, game seven, maybe not. 
quite at the iota, but just a bit underneath it. It was a great, great game, well played by both teams. But Corey Crawford, big dog, the Hawk goalie in defeat. I mean, we look no further for the future of Blackhawk goaltending down the road. He was not good. He was sensational. You hardly say that about a losing goalie, but would you agree he was unbelievable? Uh, Coach, if Corey Crawford was the goalie for the Flyers right now, that'd be the Stanley Cup uh, favorite, mm-hmm. honestly. Because you know, they can't get any goaltending. If it wasn't for our goaltending, they would have been swept. They would. <laughs> I mean, it's... It, it, Corey Crawford was the Hawks' MVP during Boy, the series. He was brilliant. Talking about a goalie keeping you in the game, sounds cliche to say, give you a chance to win. He did exactly that. There there were periods where Vancouver, not periods, but uh, um, particular lines where they put pressure on for like 30, 45 seconds. A minute the Hawks couldn't clear the zone. Consistent. The Hawks hit anybody. It was unbelievable how they got outskated last night. They got th- uh, two to one, but they got, they, it felt like they lost. And then nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, coach. and and Roberto Luongo, you called it the biggest game of his career. You even called it a big, a career defining performance. He was not as good as Corey Crawford, but considering the pressure he was on, Big Dog Roberto Luongo came up pretty good. Yeah, he showed up, and he did not play like a guy that was being tentative or timid or yep. or or knowing that his whole career was on the line. And I really felt like that, coach, because if, if he would have blown that game as the goalie, I don't think he could have went back to Vancouver, Coach. Mm-hmm. Honestly. The, the hatred. Uh, like, right, you said he's got to play mad. You know, a lot of times, you know, to play mad is good. But normally, when you think about your hometown fan, you know, you think, hey, I want to play hard for them and show them that I really care. At this point right now, he might want to just give the bird to the hometown fans. <laughs> you know, honestly. Like, the, the amount of abuse that that guy has taken. Yeah. I mean, if Carl, Carl Crawford starts complaining at all, I'm going to be like, dude, you, you're, mm-hmm. you're hitting a buck 50, making 22 million a year. You deserve the name you're getting called by the Boston fans. I mean, Luanga was attacked like any goalie I've ever seen before the end of a the series wasn't even over yet. I mean, people are talking about, forget. Uh, benching, and they were talking about killing him, Coach. <laughs> he didn't make the the great saves that Corey Crawford did, except one, by the way, in, in sudden death overtime. When Johnny Taves, right side of the goal crease, somehow got it through two enemy sticks to the left side. You know the play I'm talking about, unless you were in a state of inebriation at this point. Patrick Sharp with a point-blank shot to win the game in Luongo's feet. I'm starting to become an expert on goalies, uh, Big Day. Yeah, I can start breaking it down a little bit. They're watching two games of NHL playoff hockey. Now, I got goalieing down, but uh, his feet, incredibly quick in his reaction, he was able to slide over and make a great save on Sharp. I thought the game was over at that point. Uh, I, I did, too. I did, too. There was a lot of moments where it did just I, – I, I wasn't saying I was going to give up, but I was really concerned about the situation, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, goodness. You want to talk about the game, folks? That one or more, we're going to get to the Bulls. We'll sneak in a little baseball as well. Big Dog and a coach at your service live from Moe's Cantina. Well, not quite live, almost. Uh, the Big Dog with you, 888-463-6748. Our phone number, producer extraordinaire David Olson. Uh, on the other side of the glass, taking your phone calls. And uh, let me see if I can break down Corey Crawford for you, Big Dog. He comes out of a net with almost scary aggressiveness. He likes to play the puck. Very aggressive, very um, loosey-goosey. For the most part, he makes it work. So he's got that aspect of his game. Very aggressive, but he's almost like schizophrenic because when he plays 
regular goalie, when the puck is in front of him, he, I don't know how to describe this here. I'm breaking down goaltending because I'm your new goalie expert here on the show. But he stays so cool, so calm. He doesn't give any moves away. He's very, uh, boy, the word is escaping me, but just sour. It's, it's almost schizophrenic because out of the net, he's so aggressive in the net, so cool, so calm, so steady. That makes any sense. Well, he's poised, coach. Yeah. I mean, he does the right thing when he's playing. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just I feel comfortable with him in the in the pipes. Coach. Yeah. I, well, I feel comfortable with him in, in the pipes, and I like a goalie that goes out of the pipe. But well, he does go out, and he takes some chances, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. But I don't. It, I, for some reason, I don't freak out. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like uh, when Schneider left the, the pipes the other night. It was one of the mm-hmm. dumbest moves, and they kept the Hawks in the series. Yeah, remember the old rule, uh, David Olson. You remember this rule when the goalies, if you came out of the net, you were fair game. No, uh, no, no, but, no. You're huh? more fair game than ever as of right now. No, no, no. Yes, you are. No, you aren't. They never touch the goalies now. No, no. Back uh, in the old school uh, days, big dog. Once the goalie came out of the net, you could blitz him. It was great. Great. Coach, I don't know if it was they, good for hockey, but lines, it was great for the they fans. They put lines in behind the, the goalie. Yeah. So next time you watch a hockey game, there's lines behind the goalie. What about and if the goalie is inside those lines, they can't be touched. Okay. If they're outside that line, they're well, as fair game as they've ever been in the history of hockey. Well, those lines must be pretty far apart. Because I saw goalies early and often over the last two years come out of the net much more aggressively than they used to because they can skate better, they're better stick handlers, and they never get hit. Back in the day? Old school hockey, when I used to go to the Chicago Stadium, you get a Gump Worsley coming out of the net, boom! A Moose Vasco puts him into the boards, and the crowd's going wild. Yeah, well, Moose Vasco would put the guy into the boards even if he wasn't in net. Yeah, that's true. The only problem was the only person that Moose Vasco could check was a goalie, because he wasn't very quick. Couldn't catch up to regular players, but uh, yeah, there was nothing better than goalies getting manhandled outside the net, but... Uh, yeah, all right. At any rate, they lose two to one. Sudden death OT. I don't know if it, maybe it's too early, Big Dog, to put a put a wrap on the season to put it in perspective. But I'll throw it at you, even though you woke up at probably two minutes before the show after a four o'clock train wreck. But um, how do you you put in perspective a Blackhawk season that had a lot of downs, but certainly a few ups, particularly late. It, well, it, it's it's really difficult. None of us in Chicago really expected them to repeat with the Cup, especially considering they lost about half of their first-line players uh, because uh, the NHL was all about making sure the, the Tampa Bays and the Atlantas and the Carolinas of the world have good hockey teams. Mm-hmm. And the teams like Chicago and Montreal and, uh, you know, the teams that where hockey was built on have to suffer. But uh, when I look at this season, it, it it was really frustrating as a, as a Blackhawks fan because never ever did you ever feel like they were the best team in hockey. And considering how often that the the Chicago Blackhawks actually get to hold the cup for a year, mm-hmm. it would have been kind of cool as a as, as Blackhawks fan for them to hold the cup and be a dominant team. But instead, they you know they got into the playoffs ass backwards, and mm-hmm. then uh, when they were in the playoffs, they basically look like poo-poo, and then they, they, they tease everybody and bring us onto the brink of euphoria and be like, hey, maybe we can or they can make a run at the at the Stanley Cup, and then it gets ripped out from you. And it's just funny. is Either way, when you think about how close they were this year and last year in the playoffs, it was pretty similar when you talk about like their first-round matchup against Nashville as opposed to 
play in Vancouver, but it, you know, it just goes to show that if you don't have that hockey magic, that sports mm-hmm. magic as a team, doesn't really matter, Coach, and they never got that this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag because uh, frustrating that you see the talent and they didn't play up to it this year, but then you kind of leave with a little bit of a positive taste in your mouth, Big Dub, because you can see that the Hawks, talent-wise, are, uh, one could argue, right there with the best teams now that they got a, what I would call, one of the uh, upper echelon goalies and some good young players coming up, and they played the Vancouver Canucks, a number one seed, literally, to the very, very end. So disappointing season, but you got a lot of positives that you leave with heading into next year. No, there's plenty of positives. And first and foremost, it's Corey Crawford. Yep. And then there's a couple other young players, like the Ben Smith. Uh, the Bickles. Yep. Uh, the Hawks do have some, some nice replacements. This kid um, who did not play game six, but I saw him play yesterday. And again, with my limited hockey expertise, I've got instincts. I used to follow the game very closely. Those instincts never leave you, Big Dub. But this kid, what the heck is his name? Kramer? Young kid who didn't... He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's He gave him big minutes last year, too, Coach. 20-year-old kid, right? Yeah, yeah. He's That kid can play. He's that good. He can absolutely play. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, going into next year, uh, I, I don't know. Duncan Keith just skated like he was tired yes. all year long. He played so many minutes the year before. Yep. And I, I, I would like to see him play less minutes, and I think he would actually be more mm-hmm. effective for the yeah. for the Hawks. And, and next year, I don't think. Uh, by the way, Brent Stebro, coach, I will guarantee the guy has a concussion. Have you yeah, ever I've, seen him play anything less yep. than great hockey? Yep. And he played horrible the last couple. Right of with you. Very. And I don't even know if I'd go horrible, but very stiff. It was definitely, definitely not the Brent Seabrook we saw last year. Methodical, robotic, stiff, uh, and I would agree with you. Maybe, maybe lingering concussion. You know, coach, I'm all about production. I'm not about moral victories. But yeah. after watching that, they would have been much better off. The Hawks would have been much better off using Brent Seabrook as inspiration than mm-hmm. actual defenseman. Because yep. I mean, really, because he, it was a cheap hit. And that guy deserved to be suspended for the rest of the uh, of the series against the Blackhawks. The mm-hmm. conductor came in and threw the elbow at his head. But it, since it happened and he didn't get suspended, it, it was almost like the Hawks were like, well, Seabrook's we, available. Seabrook was not available. You, you know, you're supposed to be there mentally and physically, and he was not there mentally, Coach. And I don't mm-hmm. blame him. If you get a concussion and you're playing the fastest sport in the world, mm-hmm. don't tell me he was not concussed. He looked sick. He looked like he was going to puke. Every time they, mm-hmm. they showed him, he did not look comfortable. Yeah, I would agree with you. And then probably the one week, this again is the uh, self-proclaimed hockey expert here on the show. You can play a hockey expert, too. Dial it up. Coach in the Big Dog, 888-463-6748. The one weakness the Blackhawks do have is a little depth on the back line. And, uh, you know, Nick, uh, this kid, Nick Letty, I'm not sure I'm sold on either. But it does bring us to what we put up on our Facebook page today, Big Dog. And you, you don't want to rail on the guy because he's a young kid. But it was a Chris Campoli turnover. Not a horrible turnover, but he tried to clear the puck. But what was it when you say between player and board? Talking about the game winning goal in overtime. Yeah, the kid's going to have a hard time sleeping. Yeah. You know, and again, it was not a, a, a ridiculous mistake, but. He kind of mishit it, didn't get it through, and all of a sudden Alexander Burroughs has the rolling puck. Thank you very much, and he shoots it right by Corey Crawford. So uh, Chris Campoli's right there for you on our Facebook page. Now we have a uh, scheduled sports guest session with uh, famous Chicago sports clutch mistakes. Billy Buckner, Steve Bartman. Billy Buckner? Why is Billy Buckner involved? He was a 
Oh, that's right. We gotta go. I'm sorry. Leon, we, we go Leon the Bull Durham, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry about that. Billy Buckner did make the mistake, but not when he was with the Cubs. Yeah. Um, Steve Bartman, Chris Campoli. By the way, the guest of our little session is going to be ex-White Sox manager Terry Bevington. He'll be the host. I, I do not put Steve Bartman on this list, Coach. I, I do not. All right. Well, more importantly, who are we forgetting? Who Who else should be part of the panel? Jerry Dibzinski in 1983. <laughs> the Dibber. Oh my god. I love it. Caught so between second and third base. Any any White Sox fan at <laughs> all. You just say Jerry Dibzinski to any White Sox fan that is older than uh, like I'll, 33 years old. I love the Dibber. Oh my god. They'll go the, he picked off against the Orioles in game 4. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that's huge coach. Right. That, he was he was the go ahead run. Hold on now David, David Olson has a uh, potential panel member. Uh Scotty Pippen and the migraine headache. Uh, oh, that's a good one. That's an You think so? Coach, the only thing that saved Scotty Pippen from emphatically being on the list. Tony Kukoc. It, it wasn't the migraine the, the migraine headache was game 7 of the 1990 uh, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, and he, he showed up and had the horrible migraine. The Bulls get blown out. But Dave, uh, I, I can understand where you're coming from, because at the moment he was a hated man in the city nope. of Chicago. You're, six, you're specifically talking center. about the 1.7 seconds? No, 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 no. Dave brought up the migraine headache in the 1990 Eastern well, Conference that, Finals. That, that wasn't a moment. Well, the, yeah, the moment that Dave's talking about is the 1.8 seconds where he refused to go in. And yeah, okay. Because he was going to be the decoy yeah. and Tony Kukoc. I'm being you know. outvoted here two to three. I don't like it, but uh, we'll put Pippen in. For nothing else, it'll be entertaining to have well, him on the panel. I, I don't, I know, I don't put Pippen in because of the fact that he won the six championships, <laughs> I think that takes him off of the. No, that takes him off. No, of the no, 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 no. That's that's the, the panel is for great Chicago mistakes of of, of all. There's got to be some other ones out there. Uh, oh, there's there's uh, there's plenty of them, but oh, I'm going to say something that's really going to get people upset. Uh oh. Walter Payton in the 1986. Uh, playoffs against the the Redskins when the, what the, happened? the Bears made their comeback and he fumbled inside the ten. I forgot that one. The and fact that I forgot the, he was he was carrying the yeah because he's Walter Payton. We love Walter Payton. You know so I don't love Walter Payton. I know everybody else does. I don't. But but go ahead. Well, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. I've told you the stories about great before. Mistakes made by Chicago sports people. What about a talk show host from Chicago who just said he doesn't love Walter Payton? I've told you the reasons before. I. I mean, I, I, I can bore the American public and go through them again, but I, I respect a lot of what Walter Payton did, but he's not one of my favorite players. Let, let's save that for another day, okay? I will remember that, Coach, because I'm dumbfounded right now. That was one of the I, – I, never mind. All right, I'm going to mark – tomorrow's going to be a slower day. I'm already marking it down, but uh, tune in <laughs> Tune in tomorrow. How's that for a tremendous teaser? I'm sure people are at the edge of their seats. No, they should be. 888-463-6748, the phone number, radio professional David Olson. Save it for tomorrow or waste time today? You waste we'll time today. With waste it. time today. All right, very quickly, my two complaints on Walter Payton. One, the uh, Super Bowl, the, you know, I was a huge, huge Bears fan for so many years, so many bad years of Bear football, big dog. Bobby Douglas years, you know, those seven years absolutely destroyed my teenage and early 20 years. But so finally. Finally, they had the great team. I thoroughly enjoyed each and every moment of the 85 season, the culmination of it all. The Super Bowl. At the end, when we should be celebrating and feeling the greatest moment, I'm looking over at Walter Payton on the bench as the Bears are about to win the Super Bowl. 
and he's complaining, and he's got a negative face we found out afterwards, it's because Mike Ditka gave Refrigerator the parry the ball, and Walter didn't get to score a touchdown. He took a chunk out of what should have been my greatest enjoyment in sports moments. So that bothers me. Number two, number two, and I've, I've told you this story before, Big Dub, when I coached over at Notre Dame High School, his son Jarrett was on the sophomore basketball team, and I still never forget this. Walter Payton walks in the gym on a Friday night, you know, for a sophomore game. It's not even crowded. You're with two bodyguards. I mean, give me a break right there. But that's not the worst part. He goes by the, the desk with the table, take, the lady taking the tickets, and walks right by with the two bodyguards. And the lady, God bless her, Kathy, what was her name? Kathy Stroka. God bless Kathy Stroka. She got up. And went after I don't even know if she knew it was Walter Payton. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, it's it's two dollars to get in for the game. And the bodyguards turn around and go, Excuse me, do you know who this is? And they refuse to pay and they walk by. Walter Payton not even paying two bucks to get in a game with bodyguards. So those two things, that's the reason. Yeah, the 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 what do you call the touchdown the Super Bowl is a little overblown. And the, you know, the fact that everybody always rips on Walter on on the fridge. It corrects me because Jim McMahon scored two touchdowns on quarterback dives in that game. Why does anybody rip on the fact that McMahon had two touchdowns? Who, who cares who scored, Walter? You won your first Super Bowl. I agree. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, right. that, that, that's bothered me a little bit. But the other yeah. one, yeah, that, 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 the other one's bad, Coach. Yeah, but it, it was bad. You're the only person who's ever told me a bad story about Walter Payton. You're right. Normally, <sighs> when I hear stuff about Payton outside, it's like, Wow, the guy was signing autographs. Yeah. He pretty much did whatever. Yeah, and you're right. There, there's a lot of great things about Walter Payton too. But those two stick in my craw. Yes, David Olson's itching to get in. What? Just am I overrating those two things? No, no, no. The, the second one, I had, had zero problem with that. That's a, um, that's a Richard move, and you know I don't want to get you know, but <laughs> but Richard. the but the first one I disagree with you with. Um, I, I can understand his frustration in that. You know, he's been the, he was carrying the franchise for a decade, and they hand the ball to a circus act. Sorry, I'd be I'd be ticked off too. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the Jim McMahon stuff. So what? That's that's during the game, and you know, it's quarterback option. You know what I mean? But specifically bringing Perry in to hand him the ball when you could have given it okay. given it to you to the face but of the franchise. I, I could even understand that, but to have that emotion override your emotion that your team and you have finally won the Super Bowl, that's so you can be upset about it, but but it shouldn't take precedence over the greatness of winning the Super Bowl. Anyhow, that's uh, beyond the point. So all right, but you're gonna put Walter Payton on our panel, big dog. For, for I just was wrong you bringing it up there. If you don't even remember it, I don't know how big of a mistake it okay. could possibly be. All right. So we got the Bull Durham. We got Jerry Dibzinski, Steve Bartman, maybe Chris Campoli last night with a turnover and sudden death of Game 7. How do you like the choice of our host for the show, by the way? Terry Bevington? I think that's a fitting monitor. That would be phenomenal because you know he would accidentally congratulate the wrong guy. He would open up the card and <laughs> announce the wrong name. So, so that would that would be good. Uh, I don't know about the panel, but I'd pay to see the host. Without question. Yeah, but uh, you got to feel for Chris. I, I, I just thought of another gigantic Chicago sports gaffe. Oh, Virginia McCaskey when she uh, undid the Honey Bears. <laughs> I don't know if that fits in there, but just to hear Terry Bevington question Virginia McCaskey, I'd put her on the panel for that uh, entertainment value alone. That, that sounds like a good idea, Coach. Great, worst sports moments in Chicago history. There you go, Big Dog. Virginia McCaskey. I thought you were going to say naming. Her uh, son Mike is the head of the Chicago Bears. 
that had part of the, that's part of it though. That's the, that's in the whole same realm, Coach. Because mm-hmm. he was the head of the, he was actually the chairman in charge. Yes, and he couldn't even have enough backbone to tell yep. us, "Mom, you're leaving those hot girls on the sideline." Eminent- <laughs> eminently unqualified, honey bear decision or not, eminently unqualified to run, arguably one of the great sports franchises in all of sports. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, so uh, Hawks lose 2-1, to one, sudden death overtime. By the way, we got another Game 7 coming up, Boston and Montreal, I believe, right? They're going Game 7? Yeah, Coach, and I, just because the Hawks are out of it doesn't mean I quit, I quit watching hockey. And nope. that's also going to be a, a phenomenal game. You talk about a heated series. Yep. Montreal and Boston do not like each other. Yeah, do you know, is that game uh, Thursday? I we'll do believe it is. That. I do believe it is tomorrow night, Coach. Okay. Yeah. We will have to check that out. Game 7 in hockey, even if it's not your favorite team. Worth watching. Uh, the other big game last night, big deal that you watch at Moe's Cantina with uh, a bunch of your old friends and apparently one lady that likes to uh, spin you around and grope you every time the Hawks score a goal. Yeah, I have no idea who that woman is, but I, I, I would like to, I would like my dignity <laughs> back, woman. <laughs> well, <coughs> excuse me, was the Chicago Bulls and... Um, I think the Hawks game probably took precedence a little bit, but let us not forget our Bulls came out and played exactly the type of game they needed to. Uh, not in lulls, by the way. They did it from start to finish, yeah. dominating the Indiana Pacers. We've been waiting for five games to see this kind of performance. It, 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 the, <clears throat> it went perfectly, Coach, to be honest with you. Uh, three tough wins, uh, a wake-up call and a loss, and then put the hammer down and close out the series in mm-hmm. game five. So I didn't expect any blowouts. I was hoping for one. If you remember uh, yesterday morning, I was like, you know, it'd, it'd really be nice. I'd like to see one blowout. But, uh, yeah, it, you know, they got – now we have to wait to see if they're getting Orlando or Atlanta, and it does look like it's going to be Atlanta, Coach. Mm-hmm. That's right. That No, Orlando's up 3-2. No, no, no. Atlanta's up 3-2. to two. It looked like Orlando was done, but then they played last night, and Orlando absolutely shellacked Atlanta. So the uh, – they're down three to two, but all of a sudden the magic looking dominant once again. Okay, okay, that's uh, that doesn't make sense. We'll see, but Atlanta has a chance to close them out in Game Six. We'll see what happens mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Yeah, no question. Bulls uh, one sixteen to eighty nine, pretty easy victory. Boy, you watch right from the start, big dog. And it was like I had to check my TV and to see if it was on regular speed or fast forward. And I only say that half kiddingly. I'm like, why are we so much quicker today? And it started with Derrick Rose, the guy who. Ah, maybe you shouldn't be playing because of the sore ankle. Hey, if he plays like that, we ought to injure his ankle every game. And, you know, he wasn't only hitting those outside shots, but he was just quicker. Joakim Noah was quicker. They were moving defensively and offensively faster, quicker. I don't know if it was sense of urgency. Did you notice that? You said the key word, Coach, moving. When they move without the ball on offense, Derrick Rose is so much better. The offense is so much better. When they just stand around, uh, yeah. When they play fast, coach, they win. They win games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had an extra pep in the step. Joe Keem Noah just inspired at the beginning of the game. The announcers, I think, were only half kidding, saying that I guess his grandfather, Grandpa Noah, was there um, for the first time, maybe ever watching Joe Kim play basketball. And they said, "Hey, we got to have Grandpa at every game now." Yeah, to definitely get him out there if that's what yeah. it takes. And by the way, the young lady sitting next to Grandpa. Uh-huh. Do we have a confirmation, sister, girlfriend, because uh, words of depart, departed Detroit Piston coach Chuck Daly? Awfully good. I did not notice her, Coach. What? What wow. did she look like? A <sighs> little bit of Michael Jackson. 
the good side of Michael Jackson. A little bit of Selena Gomez. Who's Selena Gomez? Who's Selena Gomez, Dave? Did you see the famous? No, Selena Gomez is uh, is the is the Disney Channel's newest. That's, uh, not, that's not who I'm thinking of. Who's who's the uh, the singer that got killed? It was just Selena. Leah? Selena. All right, a little bit of Selena, a little bit Ooh. of a uh, little bit of Jen Lope. Let's just say she was very very attractive. A little bit of Michael Jackson in her too as well. Well, that's a little scary, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she might, might have been Joachim's sister. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. Either that or Grandpa is doing very well in his old age. You, you never know, Coach. Yeah, it pays to be Yannick Noah's dad, apparently. Oh, goodness. But, um, yeah, I, I just thought they were quicker in the way Joachim Noah started off the game, getting rebounds, getting block shots. And, by the way, a big deal, I think you're in my uh, one of the few on the Keith Bogans. I don't know if we're on the bandwagon, but we were supporters of Keith Bogan, say, you know, the guy's not as bad as people are saying. I don't mind him starting. He's not a great player, but you know what? I agree with Thibodeau playing Bogans and not, not sitting him. Like seemed like 85% of the fans wanted to. And, boy, did Keith Bogans come up big yesterday. Yeah, he had uh, his best game. Every bucket that he made was a three-pointer. Hey, Coach, Jack Ramsey, Dr. Jack Ramsey, would you, would you say he knows a little bit about basketball? I very much respect that the good doctor. He said that... Keith Bogan should be the NBA's defensive player of the year. I don't think I'm not saying he's right, but that tells you that maybe Keith Bogan is a little bit better than we think he is. Mm-hmm. One tough son of a gun defensively, but you know, shooting he's a little streaky, but he's just enough of a threat, I think, to pe- keep people keep people honest. And you if you remember in game um, four, the one they lost, he was three for three from three point line. The kid is he's he's had a good playoff run. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. He, the only thing is, isn't it kind of funny? He's not a good ball handler whatsoever. No, dribbling, dribbling is not his forte. You cannot get him the ball in the open court unless he's going to pass it immediately. If he has to drip, catch and dribble, yep. he looks like a guy who's never played basketball every once in a while. It's a little strange. Yeah, it is. His ball handling ability is not the best, but uh, you got to learn how to uh, accentuate like uh, a woman putting on her makeup and clothes. And Tom Thibodeau does a very good job with the Bulls. You have to learn how to accentuate your positives, big dog, and minimize your negatives. And they kind of plant Bogans off to the side offensively. Uh, and you know what? It's, a lot of people have read Bogans. They bring mm-hmm. up the, the bad poor parts about Kyle Korver and about Ronnie Brewer. Mm-hmm. But the three of them make up a complete off guard. <laughs> if you put them all together. Yeah, if you put them all together, you mix and match them. And mm-hmm. depending on who you're playing against. You know, you get a little more Corver one day, you get a little more Brewer next, you get a lot more Bulligans one day. So, mm-hmm. uh, Our favorite emailer at Mike2Guys at AOL.com, M-I-C in the number two, Mike2Guys, AOL.com. Send us your emails. We'll read some of them over the air. But uh, Cinebuck Cindy, Cinemax Cindy, wants to know, Big Dog, when you get dressed to go out for a big night in the town, what positives do you accentuate and what negatives do you have to minimize? Well, I, I try to show my calves off, Coach. Uh, I can't blame you. Definitely a lot of that. Now, how do you do that? Do you wear, uh, like, shorts even in cold weather, those long shorts? Or, or skinny jeans. Okay. Skinny jeans, you can really see the every ripple of the calf. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that description. Yeah. Yeah, and any negatives that you try to minimize that you care to uh, divulge here in front of thousands of listeners here on the TalkZone.com. The problem is my negative is already minimal, so I can't. I don't want to minimize it. 
Oh, goodness. I think I'll stop the line of questioning here, huh? I would really appreciate it if you did. Thank you very much, Cinemax. Cindy, we uh, hate to cut short your question, but I think we need to move on. Other uh, NBA games yesterday, Big Dog, real quick. The Lakers knocked off the Hornets, and as we mentioned, uh, the Orlando Magic crushed the Atlanta Hawks. So the Lakers are uh, hobbling their way, but they got a 3-2 to two lead. Looks like they'll advance. Let's let's not advance them just yet, okay? Yeah, I I, I, I agree with you, Coach. Most likely they're going to, but uh, right now in this these NBA playoffs, uh, it would not shock me whatsoever if the Hornets could get two wins in a row and steal the series. Mm-hmm. Okay, it would shock me, but uh, we will see how that one comes out. All right, uh, so the Bulls. I asked you to put the Blackhawks in perspective, and again, Big Dog working out about four hours sleep. We appreciate the extra effort, Dog. Uh, put the Bulls run now. Obviously, it's not over. We move on, take on Orlando or Atlanta, but uh, give us a quick synopsis of the Indiana series of where the Bull might go from here. Uh, Coach, I'm really happy with it. A lot of people were kind of upset that the, the first three games were rough and the, and the fourth game was a loss, but it's the NBA playoffs, folks, and nobody's getting blown out of the water in, in this year's playoffs. Uh, I, I guess Boston kind of did it to New York, you know, in the sweep. The first two games kind of tough. The last two, they, you know, they extended it. But if the playoffs is going to be tough, so I'm really happy. Um, and, and now with the Bulls are waiting on either Atlanta or Orlando. So mm-hmm. uh, they got it done in five games. That's good enough. A one versus eight, that's, that's about as far as you want to go, admittedly. But mm-hmm. they got it done, Coach. I am the self-proclaimed hockey expert here on the uh, Two Guys in a Mike Show, Big Dog. We've named you the NBA basketball expert. Quickly break it down. Advantage, disadvantage for the Bulls taking on Orlando and or Atlanta. Okay, honestly, Coach, I do think Atlanta poses a little bit worse of a matchup problem just because uh, Al Horford's one of those energy, constant movement guys, and he'll be guarded by a guy by the name of Carlos Boozer, who's a lack of energy, constant standing <laughs> still guy. You know what I mean? And, and that that exposes a huge problem for the Bulls. Those Boozer. are not boos you're hearing. Those are boos. Wait a minute. Those are boos you're hearing. <laughs> and they have a lot of guards that could just throw a lot of bodies at Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. I, that being said, Still expect the Bulls to win in five games against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Orlando, I would expect the Bulls to win in four or five. Wow. I, I, I do yeah. think uh, Atlanta is a harder matchup, but I definitely would rather face Atlanta for the simple fact that the thug that is Dwight Howard, I, I'm afraid of what he's going to do to our boy Derrick Rose when he tries mm-hmm. to drive to the to All the right. bus. So you you still got the strong uh, Chicago Bull uh, extension cord going there. That's, that's uh, four games against Orlando. Five against Atlanta. You say all that after watching the Bulls struggle against the Indiana Pacers. I'm not quite, I don't know how I gently put this, not quite as confident as you. You, you say struggle. I say win in five games in an okay. NBA series, four okay. to one. They won 80% of the games in the series. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that as struggling. Okay. Good point, good point. Did I hear you imply a little bit, and I, and I agree with you if you did, that the fact that the Indiana Pacers gave the Bulls a, a tough run actually sharpens them up for the playoffs. If they would have played badly, laid over the Bulls, win four, win in five, but a much easier victory, maybe you lose a little of that competitiveness today. Catch it's a little, that? Yeah, it's a little water in the face, Coach. A little, little water in the face. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm glad they got the wake-up call in the first round, and, and, and they get it with win. You know, this was a team that I, I liked the responses after games one, two, and three. 
when they were like, yeah, we've won games and struggling. I'll give you that, coach. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they were winning games, and I, I loved how they responded. I, I loved the fact that it ends with a blowout. So they get, they were able to figure it out. They figured it out well enough to win three out of the first four games, and they figured it out enough to, to make game five when uh, Indiana was most desperate to take it away from them and step on the throat. So mm-hmm. I, I like the coach. All right, there we go. Big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Got to sneak in a little bit of baseball talk. Big dog, I know it's a little bit painful for you to talk about right now as the or our favorite team, the Chicago Cubs, slide into what could call expected mediocrity as we go. We still hope that uh, things will turn out better, but uh, expected mediocrity appears to be the case. They lose their third game in a row yesterday in painful fashion. Colorado four, the Cub three. Again, they score early, big dog, and then the, the uh, bats just basically shut down. Yeah, it's it's been really strange how this team will score in bunches and then not score at all and. Uh, you know, they're not going to win the division. I really don't think so, even though the, the NL Central is extremely mediocre. Uh, but uh, who knows, Coach? Maybe if they get Randy Wells back, uh, they get Andrew Kastner back, and uh, maybe they can make a run at the division. But mm-hmm. they're definitely not going to make a run at the division with Casey Coleman pitching batting practice every fifth day for the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. That He's a really nice kid, but... I, I don't want to sit. I don't want to say the stuff that I want to say when he's pitching. So please don't ever have him throw another pitch with Chicago Cubs again. Okay, I'm not so sure. I watched him pitch his last game, and even though he got shelled pretty good, I'm not quite ready to go with you. I saw a few things that I like. One of which is, and you'll you'll know this is key. Even when he was struggling, when he would get behind three zero, three one, not afraid to come at batters and throw the curveball, throw his off speed stuff. In that yeah. situation, I saw a little bit, a little bit of potential gumption out of a Casey Coleman. Yeah, I have no problem with a, a three-one uh, curveball. When people, oh, you got to throw the fastball three-one. Not if you can get the curveball over. Mm-hmm. But a lot of pitchers are afraid to do that. If you, know, you, you know, even if you're getting shelled a little bit, if you've got that kind of moxie and confidence, it shows me a little something about the kid. I'm not ready to pack it up yet on a double C, Casey Coleman. I, I don't know really how to to handle your being impressed with a kid that was throwing a curveball uh, 3-1 when he was, you know, when he's giving up seven runs in four innings. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like saying, hey, I'm really impressed with that, that kid over there that uh, – <laughs> That, that landed a really good punch in the fight that he got <laughs> crap kicked out of him. Did you see the punch, though? That's what I'm going to take away oh. from it, not the fact that he lost an eyeball. I'll, <laughs> I'll explain it to you at Moe's Cantina next time we meet over there over a couple of beers. By the third beer, it'll make much more sense. Ooh, I, I think I'm banned. <laughs> I ran out of Jack Daniels last night, Coach. Oh. By the way, at Moe's Cantina, yes, I, just, I just want to bring this up because it's the, it's the most incredible sports feat I've ever heard, and everybody at the table wanted me to bring it up here. And and, and I, there's some things that I'm gonna I'm gonna do a trivia question for me for you, coach. You're gonna have to tell me what school that this particular event happened at. Okay. Now, uh, a friend of mine, James G. Okay, uh, the art dealer was out last night, and uh, I had a good time with James. And uh, he had an intramural basketball team, and it was named uh, Seven Koreans because it was seven <laughs> Korean guys. Okay. They won. Their college basketball's I M tournament. They won the league and the tournament. Uh, Seven Korean guys. Are we talking basketball? Basketball. Shocking. 
without That's making a racist. The uh, there was there was an, an Asian girl at the at the table who jumped up and high fived him. And they like started dancing. That's mm. people at the table. No, you're lying, James. But they were like, James doesn't lie. We actually did not believe him. We were actually going to look for confirmation. Well, now here's the one possible fallacy in this uh, wonderful, wonderful, heartwarming story. As a longtime intramural player, Big Dog, not able to get on the uh, you know the big the big court as it may, there are different levels. Oh, they were there, at the top level. Ah, because you know, intramurals, you go to a big school. Some of those top-level intramurals can be like, you know, that's like high school varsity players. So they were at the top level and they won the championship? Yes. Are you and sure I'm it wasn't positive. seven Koreans and one seven-foot European dude? That, that, that He told me seven Koreans. Wow. So it, I'm going to throw it out there, Coach. And I told everybody at the table that you would be able to guess this Division One institution within three guesses. Oh, boy, putting the pressure on me here. Yeah. By the way, uh, you were spreading the truth about the show at uh, Moe's Cantina last night? I, coach, I hate to tell you, the problem is I was spreading the truth. <laughs> I did pass the gas a few times. I don't know yeah. if that helped or hindered. It's hard, it's hard to spread the truth while you're passing the gas. This is true. Any uh, Moe's Cantina listeners out there, maybe you're a first-time listener to the program, dial it up. We are indeed user-friendly, 888 463 48, describe your up-close-and-personal relationship last night with the big dog. All right, so I got three guesses. The seven Koreans. I'm going to go Kansas first. Uh, Coach, honestly, I'm not going to count that as a guess because that's where he went to graduate school. Ah, Unbelievable. Darn, and he did I had not it. win it at Kansas. Did I not win it at it. Kansas. Okay. All right. Uh... I'm going to go Indiana. Okay, Coach, you're definitely going along the long line. Northwestern. There, okay, now that's closer. You have one guess. You have one guess. And it's not, not closer in terms of uh-huh. uh, proximity, but closer, closer in, in terms, terms of, of the size and yes. powerness of the school. At Indian, seven kids, seven Korean kids yeah, you're aren't right winning about the intramural, not at Indiana. You're right. Bad or guess. Kansas. Bad guess. Um Division one school, right? Yes. Where can seven Korean men win the intramural basketball championship? Ten thousand men of Harvard claim victory today. I'm gonna go Harvard. Oh. Yale. Oh my goodness. No, it's Cal Berkeley, but when I when I uh. gave this when I gave this out yesterday, I was like, Coach is gonna pick uh, Yale, <laughs> MIT, and then pick Cal. And somebody was like, he'll pick Harvard. And then I yelled, There's, they don't let Asian people into Harvard. And then everybody sat there and they just kind of said, yeah, I guess you're right. So, so the seven Koreans were the intramural champions at uh, California Berkeley. Yeah, California at, Berkeley. Is there, and, is, then, and, then, and then when I couldn't believe him and then I would kind of give him a hard time about it, he looked at me and said, Joel, 53% of the school is Asian. And then it all hit me. I'm like, yeah, seven Korean kids can win the high basketball. <laughs> Uh, uh, it was cool. He's, he's one of my close friends. I love James G. Absolutely love the man. Dreams so. can come true. Any uh, YouTube videos of the seven Koreans carrying uh, Ying, James E. off the uh, James off the court? older than me, Coach. Uh, so, no. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to the White Sox. A little better news for our South Side team, Big Dog. A 3-2 to two victory over the New York Yankees, a team that was mired in a significant slump. They come back and win two in a row at New York. Paul Konerko. With probably the uh, biggest hit, would you say, of the White Sox season thus far, the two-run homer in the eighth inning? 
Uh, I I would have to say so because it was a pretty big series going out there. Well, how about the catches Brent Lillibridge made out right field? Wow! I mean, the Sam Fold style catches. Brent Lillibridge getting it done out in right field for the not for the just pass. once but twice. Yes, the he had the the line drive up against the wall hit by Alex Rodriguez, and he got back there in time. I don't know, still don't know how he did that, mm-hmm. and slammed up against the the wall because he was running so fast to get there. And then a, a dive, and a lot, sometimes people dive, and you were like, you didn't need to dive. You could have kept running and caught that ball. It was an absolute need for a dive, and he, he was heels overhead as he was sliding on his chest. Mm-hmm. When I mean chest, I just mean like only like he was bent in a U, so only about six inches of his chest were touching the ground. That was a great catch, both of them. And if he misses it, could have been the ball game. So it was the ultimate gamble in that particular situation. Yeah, and Robinson Cano hits an absolute laser beam down the right field line. I don't know how he got there, Coach. And he admitted after the game, he said right before the pitch, he's like, if it's borderline, I'm going after it. I'm going to take the chance. Mm-hmm. So he was all in, and he needed to be all in in order to get that ball. If he actually took one step and even thought to himself, well, I need to dive, he wouldn't have got there in time. Mm-hmm. Instead, he just took that step like, uh, I'm going to have to... <laughs> basically oh, totally extend myself, and he did, and he got to the ball. Sergio Santos gets the save. Gavin Floyd comes up with the second straight uh, quality, quality, real quality White Sox pitching performance the day before. Of course, it was Phil Umber, and uh, you don't want to say the Sox are out of their slump yet because still hitting-wise, they're not exactly pounding the ball, but uh, two wins in a row at New York certainly takes a little bit of the sting off a team that would uh, had hit pretty high level of frustration, Big Dog. Hey. You know, isn't it funny how, you know, a, a team, you know, if they win two out of three against Kansas City, yep. you know, no momentum. You go two out of three against the New York Yankees, a $200 million payroll, and it's like, oh, all, everything's fine. You've left your wounds, and now you're good again. Mm-hmm. Now you can go out and play good baseball because you've won in New York. Mm-hmm. All right, Pauly Canerco, big, big home run. I think it's a four-game four, four game series, by the way, not three-game. I'm pretty oh, sure about that. Okay, could could okay. be wrong. Could be wrong. Uh, a couple other notes. We don't have time for a full baseball Round them up and wrap them up like we normally do, Big Dog. But a couple of notes in the world of baseball. One, we got to mention Andre Ethier, the, I don't know how you call him, an understated great player. He's very uh, mellow, but he's got a 23-game hitting streak. That dude can hit. And think about it, Coach. Do you think he will get a hit in the next five games consecutively? Honestly, if you were going to bet. Yes. You would say yes, he will get a hit in the next five games. And that's a compliment to him just because... I don't know. The kid has that quiet confidence. Again, he's not charismatic. He's not flashy. He's not a great player, but he just puts bat on ball. Coach, now uh, I'm not saying that he that he won't do it. It's impossible. I would still five games hitting in a row is actually difficult. He gets five more games. He's at 28, and he's the talk of the town. Oh, and by the way, that's halfway to Dimaggio. Halfway to the record, if mm-hmm. you can get five more games. So it's funny that it's still an accomplishment. We're talking about a twenty-three game hitting streak. It's impressive. That's, that's he, pretty, pretty it's, tough. Yeah, Any, it, anyone can have one great day. We've talked about it before, Big Dub. But to be consistent like that over a long period of time—that's even more impressive to me than the one spectacular day. I thoroughly agree with you, Coach. Mm-hmm. And the other story in baseball, real quick: New York Mets win again yesterday. Wow. Five in a row for the Mets. Here they come. Hard charging from behind. Might be a mirage, and they might lose their next ten in a row also. 
You know what, though? I, I, they're a lot better than we thought they were, Coach. I, I, they're still the New York mess. But, you know, Jason Bay is back, and uh, Carlos Beltran's healthy. So uh, maybe they're not going to lose 100 games. Uh, maybe 89. Mm-hmm. That's a 73 and 89 would be a nice record for the Mets. Okay. All right. Again, well, tomorrow we'll do a full baseball roundup. up, wrap them up. One minute left in the show, Big Dill. we got to go back to the big story. It's over. It's all over for our Chicago Blackhawks. But uh, just to sum it up once again, great theater, great entertainment, disappointing ending. But, boy, uh, you know, hockey, what a great game it is. And, and in particular, last night, I thought both teams put on a spectacular show. It was a great series, a, a phenomenal finale, and you know it's you know no moral victories, but they did at least hold the cup for a year, coach. And it, mm-hmm. it was I, I never was I never thought they would again. So uh, hopefully they can get it back. And there's a lot of young players on the team. Hopefully they can get it back you where know, they were. And even though they lost, I think the Hawks had lost some of the uh, mid-level fans, people like myself. But I think those last two games, Big Don. Even in defeat and the season's over, those last two games, as spectacular as they were, as exciting as they were, I think you brought back some hockey fans ready for next year. Yeah, you really did. Like, wow, I forgot how great it was. Yep. You know, it was so cool to watch them when they were winning, and everybody loves a winner, but, you know, it's a great game, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right. Big dog, we got to wrap it up. We will not be on tomorrow, so we'll talk to you Friday at 10. Tomorrow we'll do a uh, little replay show. David Olson, our producer, will uh, pick and choose some of the – Highlights of our previous show. Actually, that's very hard to do because I'm not sure we have any highlights. But either way, Big Dog, we'll talk to you Friday and stay off of trains that hit people, okay? I will, Coach. (laughs) All right. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back at you Friday at 10. Replay show tomorrow. David Olson, thank you so much. Two guys in a mic signing off. See you Friday.